0: See so if you take the long way, then you can get here right on time. Did any of you get that besides Luann? All right, so we'll say it this way. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in the way. Woo, wow, you guys are ready today. Hallelujah. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if you're in Christ, then there's so much to rejoice about. So I trust you're ready to worship by the Lord today and you've come prepared for that. I think there's a sense of preparation that we all should have before we show up on a Sunday morning. So hopefully you're ready for that today. This morning we want to recognize our high school graduates and um, there are several of them. And we want to um, uh, honor them this morning and uh, Chris Laughlin who is uh, one of the leaders uh, for our high school ministry, is going to come now, and uh, he is going to talk about the ones who are graduating from high school. I guess who already have, probably, because the ceremonies have already taken place. So here you go, Chris. Thank you.
1: Good morning. Good to see so many friendly faces. And you as well, Andy. Thad said he wanted to come up first. And make sure everyone knew I was not the pastor. I get that. I get it. So thank you, Thad, for clarifying. Thad is our pastor. And I uh, hope he's doing good. He's over here yapping. He doesn't even know what's going on, as usual. Um, so today, today we are going to be recognizing our seniors. Um, and we are appreciative of each and every student. But we love our seniors. We're going to miss them. And, and we're going to, I want to invite our Youth leaders out here, so that they get a chance to recognize them as well. So, I'm going to be, as I mentioned, I'm, I think I'm Chris Laughlin, one of the youth leaders. My better half, some call the luckiest lady in the world, Amanda Laughlin. <laughs> then we have our dynamic duo, Daryl and Joe Ellen. A couple that I have I cannot forget, despite trying, Corey and Megan Cooper, and our newest couple, Tony and Paige Tingle, have joined our mosh pit. A wonderful young lady with a rock star dad, Savannah Laughlin. And then speaking of infamous fathers, well, someone with an infamous father, Andrew Blunt. I do not want to forget, we've got one, is this cute, is this working, am I on? I think, let me see, I know I'm on. Um, One of our interns cannot be here today. He's out of town, out of country, in fact, Mr. Lane Cockendall. So we are appreciative of each and every one of them. They invest in in these students, and I'm, I'm proud to work alongside of them. And if you want, just sit down just for a second. I don't Rest your knees. We wanted to do something a little different today. So if you were here last week, you heard a wonderful young group of adults, young adults, and they did music. And if you got to hear them, they were phenomenal. So I, it made me think, well, well, what can we do? What can we do, <laughs> right? So I thought, I got to talking to them, and I said, I think we can do this too. You know, I felt, I felt strongly that they have this musical talent. So I said, what, can, what in the world can we do? And, and so we got to talking. Maybe we can do something like Ice Ice Baby, <laughs> right? And, and so they got all this gleam in their eye, and Daryl's, like, oh, I got this. He's excited. And so I went to talk to our pastor. And he said, well, oh, stop. Collaborate and listen. And then he goes off to singing Ice size Baby. And doing moves that I did not know he could do. It was imp- I thought he had a squirrel in his shirt. He's going crazy doing this dance. Come to find out, you may not know this, nor did I. He's a huge Vanilla Ice fan. And, and specifically, Ice Ice Baby. And he used to go around... If there was, if there was a, cons, a karaoke thing, he was there. And so I got to investigating this a little bit. I talked to Van, talked to Teresa. Teresa kindly shared some photos that I think we have today. Here, here's one of them. That is Thad. Back in the day, he is rocking it. You know, I thought, man. I, hey, I think we got another. Yeah. That is him one more, okay, there was one more, look at him, (laughs) look at him, who knew the many talents that Thad has, that is just, that's just something, so at the end of it all, Thad and I discussed it, we said, probably not a good idea to do I Size Baby up here on a Sunday morning, it's not really a worshipful song, so we get it, we're going to leave that to him, so if any of you ever want someone to come to a party and do I Size Baby, Thad's your guy, So instead, we are going to just jump right in it, recognize our seniors, invite them up on stage. What we would ask that you do is, when I call the seniors up individually, we're asking that if you're here today, parents, grandparents, someone that's really just impacted their lives, we ask that you stand where you are, you don't come up on stage, just stand where you are so that everyone in the congregation gets to see who's connected to those students, okay? So they make that connection. And really, it's the opportunity for them to understand who to blame. So, no, no, we're not. We're not going to blame anybody. Just stand where you are if you're a parent, grandparent, someone that's impacted the lives of these students. And then students come up on stage. We have a present for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. rhymes with eyeball. starts with a B. The leaders are going to give that to you. Some are going to give you a hug. It's going to be very uncomfortable. Um, but as I call you up, please know... We're not calling you up because of, of any, it's alphabetical, okay? It's not because we like one more than the other. We do not have any favorites. In fact, they are all our least favorite, okay? <laughs> I just wanna make it clear. All right. So, first up, I'm gonna, I'm terrible with this clicker. Give that to the better half. First up is Mr. Connor Barnett. Can <clears> we <throat> had a baby picture? Look at that little boy. <laughs> Connor, you come stand by me because you know you want to. Look at that cute kid. What happened? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He looks just the same. He grew up into a fine young man. When he came into youth group, I was taller than you. No longer, I get it. But he has grown up into a fine young man, one that I admire, one that I admire a lot. Because we take him on youth trips, this, this young man, wherever he goes, smile on his face. He doesn't care. But he is just happy. We take him on a youth trip that happens to be where Thad's teaching that youth trip. We we do in team activities. In this case, it was a paintball game. And they said they had explicit rules. You don't shoot within so close, unless you're so close, so far away. And Connor's like, rule Schmools, I don't care about that. (laughs) So he goes up to Thad, shoots him square in the chest from close range. And... (laughs) And just remind everyone, that wasn't too long after Thad had had heart surgery. But Connor didn't care. I admire the man for, for having the, just the, the strength to do that. Because, let's be honest, who in here today has not wanted to take a paintball gun and shoot Thad? Okay? All of us have at some point. So we all admire you. We really appreciate you. And, and we just want to recognize you today. It looks like you, you have gone through school just so you can go to school again. Am I looking at that right? good thinking, good thinking so we appreciate Connor, we want to recognize you and now it's time to go away (laughs) next we have Mr. Colby Cheese Cooper look at that picture Colby is another young man that came into youth group. I remember it very carefully. i I'm proud of you guys. Glad you are here. Um, Colby, don't you walk away from me. Come, you get over here. We're going to talk about you. I remember. Yeah, y'all may see it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to let you give me my present later. Um, Colby, I remember him coming into youth group. He, too, I was taller than when you came in. And not anymore. I get it. But I remember very vividly him coming through, coming into the youth group, because I've tried to forget that moment. I cannot, so you're, I'm still, I still remember it. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going through therapy. We will forget it one day, hopefully. hopefully. But Colby, Colby, if you don't know, his father that stood up, Malcolm Cooper. That's Malcolm Cooper. So he's had the odds stacked against him from day one. He has overcome those odds, and he has now graduated, right? You're going to graduate? I, I don't know. You don't know. We don't know, but listen, we're, we're going to pray for him. When he does, it is basically what we call a miracle. Yeah. Not, not Jesus walking on the water, but close to it. A lot of money's been paid. Okay, yes, a lot of money. (laughs) Yes, so we are appreciative of Colby, all that he's done and meant to us, and um, I guess we're just now super excited that you're gone. Go go, over there. Next is Miss Bethy Hughley. Where's Bethy? Oh, there's Bethy. I heard the screaming. Look at that lovely group back there here to support you. Miss Bethy Hughley, folks, if you don't know, is one of the sweetest people that you will ever meet. I mean, I, I genuinely meet that. One of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And I personally cannot stand here beside her today and say, you know what? I will say this. I've never been taller than you, even when you came in youth group, okay? <laughs> I can honestly say you're somebody I've always looked up to. Uh, but she is a sweet, sweet lady. And I cannot stand here and say something, anything that is embarrassing or negative, mainly because your, your mother threatened to come up here and tie me into a pretzel, That's true. if I did. Is that, did I say that right? I didn't use the exact adjectives that you used because that wasn't appropriate. But, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about her. Sweet, sweet lady, we're looking for, she wants to go into missions, and I think she will do an awesome job with that. So we're thankful she's been part of the youth ministry and now it's time to make a little Kermit the Frog and hop on over there get you a present and leave me alone okay (laughs) next we have Hope Laughlin hey Hope hope I don't know who's responsible for this, but they did a good job. <laughs> you know. What can I say? Um, I'm, I'm super, super, super excited to stand here beside this young lady today because I'm finally taller than one of our students. I'm, I'm glad about that. feel good now. Um, she, she has recently graduated from Springville, and um, I hear that your parents are awesome, mainly that you one of them, right? Yep. So if you don't know, this is, in fact, my daughter, our our daughter, youngest of three, so I think what the audience wants to know, the congregation wants to know, who is your favorite youth leader? No, okay, don't. <laughs> don't we don't want to make your mom cry. We know who it is. We understand, but we we are very appreciative of Hope. We think we obviously we're going to see her more, but um, she's going to head off to Southern Union, right? And she's going to go into nursing so that she can take care of her dad. All right. Well, scurry along, make like your mom's a personality, and split. Who we got? Next, next is Jessica the Mouse Rouse. Jessica the Mouse Rouse. Where up there she is. They're gonna stand up. You there we go. Your sister will not stand up for you, even though she loves you. Jessica is the next contestant on Get Out of Youth Group. Okay? Look at that picture. Do you remember those? Yep. Do you? No, okay, just checking. Well, Jessica is a very quiet, am I right? Is she always quiet? No, not at all. She's quiet with us. She's a quiet, pretty reserved young lady, always smiling, does not have her boot on. So you're, you're walking around without crutches or anything, right? How about that? So she has been in a boot. She had surgery, and even through that, she was smiling. And, and for all these young kids, this is an example of why you don't bite your toes, right, toenails, right? Yeah. Is that Tell, yeah, because she was oh. buying him too hard one day, snapped that ankle. No, that's not what it was. Was it was it softball? softball. No. It, and you blame Thad? I blame Thad. Okay. Do, yeah. Do, would you like a paintball gun to yes. shoot him? Yes. yes. Look that at too. that. Well, wonderful young lady. She does not not bear have any resentment toward anyone that's done her wrong like Thad or anything, right? So we're good. Well, I, I think she's, although she's pretty quiet, she's kind of like, E.F. Hutton, you know, when she speaks, you want to listen? You know who E.F. Hutton is? No. no idea. No idea. That's way before your time. Well, she, I wanted to ask her, do you have anything to share with the congregation today? No. 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 Yeah, Words are powerful. What she means by that is sometimes you just have to say no. See? I mean, she is, she's brilliant like that. How, how about, do you have anything you'd like to say to your parents? No. 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 See, sometimes you've got to read between the lines. What she's saying, parents, is thank you. She's saying, I love you. So see, sometimes you got to read between the lines. It's, it's the power in her voice, those inflections. So Jessica, we want to thank you for being part of this group. And now it's time to scurry on over there and get your Bible, or, or your present. And finally, our last young man today is Landon Smith. Landon, Landon. first of all, I love that picture. If I ever get a tattoo, it's going to be of that picture there on the right. It's going to be on across my whole back. I love that picture. Do you remember it? Not really. Nice okay. Once I get it across my back, you're going to see it all the time. Landon has been with us, what, two, three years, about three years maybe on the youth group? It's been a while. Two years? Okay. He is a wonderful young man. Like, well... Way more quiet than Mr. Ralph's, but he's, he's a quiet, reserved guy. He's been on some youth trips with us, and that's where you get to know the guy. He's got a good sense of humor. He'll talk to you, and um, uh, and I've appreciated him. I'll say that. I genuinely have. Uh, he, he was sharing with me, and, and if you don't mind me telling, he, so his girlfriend is L- Lucy Cockendall. Do you mind me telling everybody that? Because if you don't, I won't tell him. <laughs> yeah, okay, don't tell them. All right, so I, I call her Lulu. So the whole Cockendall family is just like, Amazing! They, they got this musical talent that astounds many people like myself. And so Landon and I were, were talking about that. And he said he's got some musical talent. He really wanted to surprise Lucy and do a solo song today. And did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes? Yes? No. No. Okay. No. I think he was saying he wanted me to do it with him. So I, I brought my little kazoo <laughs> so we can do this together, okay? We're gonna, okay? So a little later, he and I are going to do a song. And it's going to be so that he can just show Lucy his musical talent. Right? Is that cool? No? Yes? We're going to, he's going to do it. The man's going to do it. Well, he's a great guy. I, I hope I haven't embarrassed you. I'm sure I haven't. My, I never want to embarrass anyone on this stage. So, in that being the case, I'm just going to let you get your Bible and you just head on over that way. So, congratulations to our six seniors. We're thankful for each of them, truly, truly, and all joking aside, they're a great group. We're going to miss them a lot, and we know that the Lord's got good plans ahead of them, and hopefully um, they will follow the Lord's will. So at this moment, at this time, we're going to ask Dr. Hughley to come up. He's going to pray for our students, and we ask that you join him in, in that prayer. Doctor yes.
2: We want these young people to know that the elders and the deacons have them in our prayers and we wish to commend them to the Lord in his grace as the Lord Jesus tarries in his coming. Let us pray. Loving father, We are thankful for this special day. We're thankful for the achievements and the accomplishments of our young friends who are gathered before us. We thank you for their aspirations and their plans. We want to praise you, Father, for all of the contributions of parents, grandparents, relatives, and friends and the input in their lives. We thank you for their teachers, Lord, in their respective schools that have brought them to this level of achievement. We thank you, Lord, for all that the church has meant to them, the teaching, the training, the examples, the encouragement. We thank you, Father, that your grace that has been sufficient for them, will be sufficient for them in the future. They each have their respective plans, and we pray that in keeping with the will of God, they may be able to achieve those things they have named and which are before them. Today, Father, we stand as a whole congregation, saying to these young people, we love you, we are proud of you we want to encourage you and to be there for you we pray that as jesus tarries they will accomplish great things for the kingdom of god they will be used they're stepping into a world lord that is filled with so much that is detrimental to the growth and development of your people we pray that you will help them as they wade through all of those efforts to detract them and to, dis- to destroy what they have in mind. We pray that they will have victory over the powers of darkness, and they will grow and be the shining lights. We remember the words of Scripture, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. May that be wonderfully true, and may it come to pass in great measure. And thank you, Father, that we could be a part of this ceremony today. We pray that you will bless us throughout the service, that the whole of this morning will be a great encouragement to our young friends, whom we commend to your care and oversight as Jesus tarries. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, our great Savior, our Lord, our coming King, truly the Messiah. In his name we pray, amen.
3: Good morning, church. Um, If you guys will, if y'all stay in and worship with us this morning. joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep you guys to a song. Um, We've done it in youth quite a few times, so if you know it, sing along, but it's just talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us.
0: Thank you, guys. We appreciate the youth, don't we? Appreciate them leading uh, this morning. There was an older youth on that side helping them. We appreciate him as well. just have one announcement. Typically, I wouldn't make an announcement before uh, we turn to our text. But uh, after the service, if the elders will meet in the conference room, Chris Laughlin is going to join us there. You will love that meeting, Chris. <laughs> All right, y'all ready to talk about Jesus? Turn your Bibles to First John chapter five, and with the help of the Lord, we're going to go from verse four through verse thirteen today. And um, there are forty-three slides, I believe, but with the Lord's help, we will make it through. There probably have been times when I have asserted that there's one sermon you really need to listen to. And, and I don't know if that makes a difference or not, whether you listen more or not. But this is one that should be high on your radar. This is one that probably you should not forget in terms of what the text says. You may forget my words, but I don't want you to forget the words that the Lord gives through the Apostle John in this section. I believe they are words that are absolutely critical for every believer to know and then to apply uh, in their life. I want to begin this morning with a a question for you. Um, Do you know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ? Is that something you know? This is an individual question. In other words... It's not for your neighbor, it's just for you. Do you know that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ? As we're going to discuss at the end, all people will live eternally. The question becomes, where will you live? And so, for those of us who are in Christ, we know, because the Bible tells us, that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. In fact... I want to begin at the end of the section with this verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John says these words, these things, what things? At least verses 6 through 12, likely John is referring to even the entire letter with which he's written them. The words that I've given to you in this epistle... But at least I would say from a practical standpoint that we could include certainly verses 6 through 12 in John's argument as he writes, These things I have written to you who believe. So who is that to? Believers. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, and we'll talk about that word in a few minutes that you have eternal life. And so this morning, as you are sitting in your seat, the question for you to think through is, do you know without a doubt you have eternal life through Jesus Christ? Is it your anticipation that you will spend eternity with Christ? And if so, are you getting ready for that now? Or is it something you're waiting on? I hope it's not something you're waiting on, I hope that it's something that you're preparing for now. There are three things in this text about Jesus Christ that we're going to see this morning that are critical, and we're going to back up even to verse 4 and 5 to talk about these things that John has written. In verses 4 and 5, he talks about Jesus Christ in this way that there is victory in Jesus. We know the hymn, right? Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Boy, I love that song. We could just break out and sing that song. There is victory in Jesus Christ. John writes about that in these verses. He says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, some translations have that word whatever. It literally reads this way in the Greek. Everyone having been born of God. Okay, so he's talking about believers here. He says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That word overcome is is the word Nike. We get our word Nike from that word. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Notice what he says, our faith. Now, it's not faith and faith. It's not that we're trusting our faith. It's that we are trusting in the Lord. That's the issue, okay? So that's very important to say. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, when we speak about the world, what are we talking about? Because we want to be overcomers. Well, those who are believers, John says, are overcomers. Because of faith in the Son of God, when we speak about the world system, um, the world system is one of deception, isn't it? It's one of evil. It's one of self-centeredness. It's one of self-serving. It's one of hatred. It's one of ungodliness. There are a lot of different terms that we could use to apply to the world. So he says to the believers here, there's victory for those that are in Christ. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world and the world system. Remember back in chapter 2, what does he say about the world? Do not what? Love the world nor the things in the world. And so we know that the world is out there. And its system is completely against Jesus Christ. You don't interview people of the world and them say, oh, Jesus is my overcomer. They're not going to say that. The confidence that the world has is confidence in themselves. And whether they realize it or not, the evil one is the one that they serve under. Okay, that's very important to know. And so John says this, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And then he repeats, he says, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God this morning? Okay, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And all that scripture tells us about Jesus, Christ is true. Well, they were combating some that were anti-Christ. And so we're going to speak about those in just a few moments but he says who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God so we can say this that victory in the Christian life is directly linked to faith faith in the son of God there's not victory in your life as a Christian because of who you are there's victory in the Christian life because of who he is okay that's very important to understand that's there's a huge difference between those two statements. There's not victory in the Christian life that you have because of you. There's victory in the Christian life that you have and experience because of him. Okay? It's his victory. The, the kids sang about it. It's amazing. Every one of those songs applies to this message. I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, every single one of them, even the new one that they introduced. So victory in the Christian life is directly linked to faith in the Son of God. Not only salvific faith, that initial faith that you have when you come to Christ. But I believe in context, he's talking about the daily faith that's needed to live the Christian life. Do you remember when you came to faith in Christ initially? Right? Well then, from that point on, there's this issue of sanctification, of daily life with the Lord. How do you live that daily life? And so John's getting them to think about the fact that not only is there victory in initial salvation because of faith in the Son of God but there's victory in the Christian life and can be as we trust Him daily. Now that's very, very critical because there's a lot of things in our life that take place that we have to trust the Lord in, like trusting the Lord uh, in re- with rebellious children. We have to trust Him in that. If we're trusting our efforts and what we might say, that's the wrong way to go. We have to trust in him. We have to give our children over to him. In fact, the Apostle Paul speaks about in the book... Excuse me, Solomon. ah, The Apostle Paul speaks about in Galatians chapter 2. Notice what he says about this daily faith. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. We sang about that today. But Christ lives in me. So in other words... Your life before Christ was all about you. Your life after Christ is all about Him. Right? Right, class? Right. Okay. You're concerning me. (laughs) Notice what he says. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. There's security for the believer. Right? Right there in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh... How does Paul say, I live that? I live by faith in who? The Son of God. I love the attachment that Paul has to that. As he talks about the Son of God, he says, The one who loved me, we don't ever need to forget that, and gave himself up for me. So yes, this daily life is about faith in the Son of God. As we face these issues that come up that, by the way, tend to distract us to the point of discouragement and even some to defeat. Guys, can I tell you this? We can trust the Lord. We can trust Him. Solomon knew that. He writes these words in Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to show you something maybe you haven't seen before about these verses. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. That phrase, trust in, is believe continually. Believe continually in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Here it is. Acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do you know that word acknowledge in our culture? If we acknowledge something, we might just give a nod. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's not what Solomon is writing here. That word acknowledge in the Hebrew literally reads this, in all your ways know him. <laughs> That's a whole lot different, isn't it, than just the way we think about acknowledge today. If we acknowledge something today, like I said, we might give it a, pat, a, a, a glance or just a simple nod. But Solomon's saying this, in all your ways acknowledge him, know him. You say, what does that mean? It means that he has the rights in every area of your life. So as you read through that again, you go, in all your ways, know him. Know that he has rights in your life in every area. You say, well, how does that apply? Very simply, um, your life is his life. So every single thing that goes on in your life and my life, he has the right to. I've heard people say, well, I'll give the Lord everything, but I'm not giving Him my children. He has the rights to everything in your life. That is really critical as Solomon was writing those words of wisdom. Well, Lee Roberson, who was a theologian, author, pastor, he wrote these words about faith in God's Son. He says, faith in God's Son does not save people from hardships and trials. Although you would not know that in some churches where they teach and preach health and wealth and prosperity theology, you just wonder, are they getting up in the morning? Are they observing life? Life's hard. And so Roberson says, faith in God's Son does not save people from hardships and trials. We could testify to that, could we not? But it has enabled them to bear tribulations courageously and to emerge victoriously. There is victory in Jesus. The apostles knew it. Do you know it? I think that's something to consider. I I read a devotion on on faith and, and trust and obedience. It's a devotion that I think appropriately illustrates kind of this first point of victory the devotion goes this way Arabian horses are trained rigorously in the Middle Eastern deserts the horses must learn to fully obey and trust their master I just want you to think through this and think about you and the Lord Okay, not your neighbor and the Lord, you and the Lord this obedience and trust is tested by depriving the horses of water for many days and then turning them loose near the water. And just before, the drink, the, just before they drink the much-needed water, the trainer blows his whistle. And if the horses have learned to obey, they turn around and come back to the trainer who then gives them as much water as they need trainer knows what his horses need and will not allow them to go without water, but they must trust him. And this author writes, the Lord Jesus knows us full well and wants us to trust him daily as we live in obedience to him. He knows what we need. Guys, we can trust him. John's saying that to these believers that he writes. There's victory in Jesus and victory in Jesus happens as we trust Him. Well, I need to give you some background before we get to the second point. There's a couple of things I need to do. These are technical things, but hopefully you can appreciate them because um, I'm just not one of those guys that can bypass those kind of things. I could say, well, this is something you don't need to worry about, but I really wanted to, to do it justice, so I wanted to give you some background information as to why John writes about his second point concerning Jesus in which he writes about the identity of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Remember I introduced a a man named Serentis. You remember that? I know you have great memory. You remember that Sunday when I brought up Serentis? I really believe the more I studied this is the more I am convinced that John wrote, obviously led by the Spirit, ...to write specifically about this man who was troubling the church. I really believe that. And it obviously wasn't just this man who was troubling the church. There were others with him. But Serentis taught that Jesus was only a man. Is that a problem? It's a problem. He's what? Fully God and fully man. And Serentis denied that. In fact, notice what it says... Srinthus taught that Jesus was only a man and that the divine Christ descended on Jesus at his baptism and left him before the crucifixion. That was a heresy that was going around in John's day. And it was troubling to the Christians. And John had to write about it and he does as you're going to see. But there is an issue as we read this, before we read this text that I needed to, to cover with you. Uh, I call it maintenance, maintenance work. I don't like maintenance work. Any of you like maintenance work? I can't fix a thing. I can break lots of things. But in this section, um, if you have a new King James Bible, or if you have the King James Version, this top phrase is going to appear. But um, it's not in the earliest of manuscripts. In fact, it doesn't appear until the 10th century A.D., And that's that phrase at the top, in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, three that bear witness. Now, what they say is accurate, but it doesn't appear until the 10th century. So, I'm not going to be reading from the King James Version or from the New King James Version. And for some of you, you might go, I really didn't need to know all that. Yes, you do. Because when you're reading your Bible, you need to understand the different textual criticisms that are out there. As you turn to different places in scripture. Now what's written in the New American Standard. I think it's also in the ESV. Is what I'm going to be reading for us. As we handle this next section. Which speaks of the identity of Jesus Christ. Now let's read verses 6 through 10. It says this is the one. Who is the one? Well if you back up to verse 5. It's Jesus the son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ not with the water only but with the water and the blood what in the world is John doing it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth for there are three that testify that testify to what that testify to the identity of the son of God okay and we're going to see that in just a moment I'm going to give you several scriptures. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony of God. That God has given concerning his Son so John in this section is talking about the identity of Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ? can we know? well the Bible is clear that we can and he says there are three that are in agreement: the spirit, the water and the blood. Now the water I believe refers to the baptism of Christ and the blood to Um, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the Spirit, the water, and the blood testify to who Jesus Christ is. And I'm going to give you some scriptures that show you that. This is not something that I have to make up. It's clear in the scriptures. Um, We begin with the Spirit. The Spirit testifies as to the Son. Luke chapter 1. Oh, this is before the baptism of Christ. Sorinthus... Okay, so you can see how John kind of has that in mind as he's writing. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called what? The Son of God. He did not become divine at his baptism. He was the Son of God, and is the Son of God, and will always be... The Son of God. Now, it could be troubling if you were in that time period to hear that. And so, John has to deal with this issue that for us might not be an issue. But I've given you a lot of scripture. And so that's why there's 40-something slides. But I don't want you to forget what the scriptures tell us about uh, John's argument as it relates, first of all, to the Spirit. So, it also tells us in the Gospel of John. Now, this in the context is in the uh, upper room when Jesus is with his disciples after Judas has left, and he's telling the 11 who are troubled. Don't forget that. Why are they troubled? Class, why are they troubled? Because Jesus had just told them, as we have not recorded, hey, I'm leaving, and where I'm going, you can't come now, but you're going to come later. Well, okay, you say, well, that did it, right? Well, the Spirit of God had not yet come, right? And so what he is telling his disciples is, listen, there's going to be one that comes that's going to testify about me. Notice what it says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, okay, well, did the Spirit testify about the Son? Answer, the book of Acts. <laughs> Read it this afternoon. The Spirit testified about the Son through the apostles, and you can see that all over the book of Acts as you eat this afternoon that peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a glass of milk. Isn't that really good sometimes? Right? When you're just tired of cooking, you're like, what am I going to eat? Peanut butter and jelly, creamy jiff." With a little bit of grape jelly, ice cubes, and milk. Oh my goodness. So, as you're reading through the book of Acts, it's just a testimony about the Spirit of God testifying about the Son. It's the Son, it's the Son, it's the Son. Well, then, in the epistle that we have here in this verse, in verse 6, it says, It is the Spirit, notice the way he writes it in 1 John 5, it is the Spirit who testifies. Because the Spirit is truth. Is that how it reads? The truth. Okay? There's a difference between those two readings. You might have some translations that just have truth. Spirit is truth. But the Spirit is truth. The truth. And it says here, it is a Spirit who testifies. Now, what's interesting about this, when we think about the Spirit testifying in Acts, we think past tense. Past tense only. Oh, my friends, listen to me. John writes to these believers. He says, it is the Spirit who testifies present tense. Oh, you say, what's the big deal? The Spirit not only testified past tense, but continues to testify, John's saying. And do you know what the Spirit does today? Testifies. You say, how in the world does He do that? Through the Word of God and through believers. Isn't that so awesome? You say, well, my life doesn't count for much. Oh, my friends, if you're a believer in Christ, listen to me, you're representing the Lord Jesus. This is beautiful how John does this. So he says, listen, the Spirit testifies and continues to testify. So the Spirit testifies about who the Son is. Do you know at the baptism of the Lord, which I believe is what he's referring to here when he says the water is? At the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit testify about the Son. That's pretty good stuff. Look at what it says, after being baptized, Jesus come at, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and light, lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, "This is who? My beloved Son." He did not become his beloved son that day. He already had been his beloved son. Now, that's very important. You go, Dad, what's the big deal? Well, back then it was a big deal. There are a lot of big deals today, right? One of the big deals today, you think about people talk about evolution and creation. Well, it's a big deal to me that when I'm teaching the Bible, it says there was a six day literal creation. Is that a big deal to you? What's well, a big deal to me? Because of the word day mean is the Hebrew word yom, every day, single day, 24-hour period of time. So sometimes, even though you're sitting in your seat going, man, this dude's being really technical, sometimes you have to be, right? I mean, if you're fixing your car, you have to be technical. You don't want there to be any leaks. Recently, I took Teresa's van to, this is hilarious, took the van to the mechanic. I said, hey, I just want you to give it a once-over look. I come back, I expect, you know, he's just changed my oil. And he said, hey, Thad, your uh, water pump was leaking. Just a dripping and a dripping. Well, you know what would have happened to that water pump eventually? It had dried up. Would that have been a problem? Uh-huh. So sometimes you have to just be technical. And I really appreciate your patience today in that. All right? So the Spirit testifies. The water testifies to the identity of Christ. But also... Notice he says the blood does. When we think about the blood, what do we think about? The death of Jesus Christ. You know what's interesting? I found this scripture to be interesting. So as you eat your second Peter butter and jelly sandwich, you can maybe just read that whole section in Matthew. But after the crucifixion of Christ, all the events around that, notice that the centurion, what the centurion says. The centurion, those who were with him, kept uh, keeping guard over Jesus. When they saw the earthquake... And the things that were happening became very frightened and said, Truly this was the Son of God. God." Oh my goodness. So who do you say that Jesus Christ is? You better know the answer to that question. Well, the blood testifies as to who Jesus is. And what's interesting, there's a lot of scriptures here. I mean, I could have given you a plethora of scriptures, but I just gave you a few. But I did give you a few more, all right? So I want you to at least read them. Look what it says Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to who? To God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we have the blood of Christ all through Hebrews. There's discussion about that. And then you have Ephesians. The Apostle Paul writes about the blood of Christ. In him we have redemption through His blood. Guys, there was a payment necessary. We don't ever need to forget that. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Peter writes in First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, one of my favorite scriptures, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, But you were redeemed with what? Precious blood. As of a lamb unblemished. That word in the Greek means no defect. No defect at all. The perfect son of God. And spotless. That word means in the Greek untainted or pure. As of a lamb unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. Who is the Jews. Those believing would come to know the Messiah. (laughs) Here it is in 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And what? The blood of his... Son, whose son, the Father's son, cleanses us from all sin, And then a future um, time, which isn't recorded for us in Revelation 5, by the way, you and I will be there there in Christ. If you're in Christ, you'll be here. <laughs> like, so this afternoon after you eat that peanut butter and jelly sandwich, move on to the steak and taters at night, because this is steak and tater stuff. Right? This is good, good stuff. Because we're going to be there. Right? We're going to be there. He sang a song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. Who's you? Son of God. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Every tribe... Tongue, people, and nation testifying to the Son of God, the one that shed his blood for us. You know, there's a song, I think I might have mentioned this, but oh well, you may have forgotten. It's been a week. Um, you know that song, Scars in Heaven, right? And the only scars that will be in heaven is the Lamb who was slain. there will be something always in front of us. There was a price that had to be paid. And there was only one that could pay it. The Son of God. I like the way John Walbert kind of sums this section up. He says, both the baptism and crucifixion of Jesus Christ are are strongly attested historical facts. All three witnesses, the Spirit... The water and the blood are in agreement that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was involved in these events. Hey guys, you know why we show up every week as Christians? Because we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, he adds on some things in this section, in verses um, uh, 9 and 10, that we need to talk about. We don't just need to skip over. You know I'm not going to skip them. Um, and I wanted to just give you some observations about these verses. Notice in verse 9 he says, If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Well, there is the testimony of men. You go through the book of Acts, there's the testimony of men all over the place. Right? They're given testimony. You think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Given testimony to who Jesus is. Well, it says here, If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. So what do we do with the testimony of men? Do we just throw it out the window? Well, I hope not, right? Um, It's not that men's testimony is not valid, but there were some rules in Scripture as to the validity of man's testimony. Did you know that? You did know that, right? And so when you go back and you look at those rules, they're in the Old Testament, but they continue in the New Testament. It's really interesting. Deuteronomy says, a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or sin which he has committed. By the way, might I encourage you, and so will the next verse that we look at. Sin's not determined by you in a person's life. First, it's determined by what? The Word of God. The Word of God, the Word of God. That's very important. I think sometimes man wants to label things that are sin that might not be sin. That's a whole nother sermon. Okay, so he says, A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. So, witnesses were critical in the life of Israel. Well, as it relates to fast forward the pages, even pre-church... We have in Matthew's gospel, um, because the church appears later in this text. Um, In fact, it's one of two appearances in Matthew. uh, Matthew 16, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, right? I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then here in Matthew 18, the church is mentioned after this. But notice what it says in Matthew 18, 15, and 16. If your brother sins... Go and show him his fault in private. (laughs) How many of you ever done that? This is one that you don't get a lot of hands on. How many of you want to eat steak today? Yeah, everybody raise their hand. But when you come to this, I mean, this is a difficult thing. You know what people do in the church? Say, "Oh, now, now that that, that's your job." (laughs) Glad I don't have to do that. Man, that's the job of the elders. Glad they have to do it, not me. Is that what it says? I'll see the elders and thad in there. It just says if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. By the way, that's what we're looking for. (laughs) Right? And then he says, but if he does not listen to you, take it by one or two, excuse me, take one or two more with you. So that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Because we are looking for the truth. Correct? And in this case, in context, we're looking for a brother to turn from their sin. Did you know there's another passage of Scripture that talks about this issue? And that's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. And it has to do with... Accusing an elder. Notice it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Right? So it's really critical that we follow what Scripture says as it relates to facts being confirmed. John's kind of highlighting that. He's not discounting man's testimony. He's just saying God's testimony is greater. Okay. Um, Then... In verse 10, we have him addressing the believer first. Notice what it says, verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Did you know that a believer has the testimony in himself about the Son of God? Yes, you did. Because the Spirit of God dwells in you, and the Spirit of God points you to who? Christ. Okay? In fact, in Romans... Well, I'm That little clicker sensitive day, In Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And as children of God, we know about the Son of God. Okay? And then in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, Because you are sons. By the way, if you're in Christ today, you're sons. That's hard to think of. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son... Into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, for the believer, we have the witness in us. By the way, guys, um, that witness in us is the fact that we belong to the Lord Jesus. There's an affirmation there that is spoken about in the book of Romans. Well, He also talks about the unbeliever here. Notice what it says, verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. That little phrasing there... um, In the middle of the verse, it says, The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Part of that phrase has to do with exactness. I like that. I really like that. That's why I put it up there. One who rejects the testimony of God disputes his exactness about the Son. So is it a problem when somebody disputes the exactness concerning the Son? Answer, yes. So when you're out there and you're doing an interview with people, hey, who is Jesus Christ? Uh, Ah, he was just a man. Or referring to even Jesus, a lot of them just say the man upstairs in reference to God. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The one who... Has been, who is, and who will always be. See? Exactness is really critical. Uh, the Lord gave me this illustration. I was thinking about exactness. Because it's important that we are exact. You're going to see that in just a minute as we get to the next point. In our old house, we had an area reserved for a Refrigerator. And that area was a somewhat smallish area, but we had bought a new refrigerator, and I had measured for that refrigerator. Now, I'm not real good at reading a tape, okay? but I measured it to a point where I felt like with comfort that that refrigerator is going to fit. So my friend Robert McGuire and I, we get the refrigerator to the house, and we're unloading the refrigerator, and we get it into the kitchen, and that big old box, we take that box off, and I'm getting excited because Teresa's going to have an ice maker, and I can live in the house for 10 more weeks, and it's like, this is going to be awesome. Get the refrigerator out, go to push it in the corner, and it won't go. I didn't account for the hangover on the counters. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? But... It just would not fit. It wasn't exact. You know the rest of that story? We left that refrigerator, that dumb refrigerator in the middle of the kitchen. How long did that refrigerator spend in the middle of the kitchen? Andrew's back there laughing because he knows. I mean, it's like when you invite people over, where's your refrigerator? It's right in the middle of the kitchen. Just go right to the middle, just open that puppy up and you can get you a drink. You don't even have to go to the corner. You can just go right into the middle of the kitchen. That refrigerator stayed in that kitchen for a while, and I had to have cabinets built so the refrigerator could fit, because I'm too stubborn to take back the refrigerator and get another one, that thing was going to fit. Well, there are times, guys, when we understand the point of exactness. Well, when it comes to Jesus Christ, there's exactness. He is who He says He is. He's the Son of God. In fact, you know the testimony of Jesus, I and the Father are one, right? Right? All right, so we have the identity of Christ, and we finish up this morning talking about the quality of life through Jesus Christ. A lot of times when people think about eternal life, they think about quantity. And it's not that it's not quantity, but in the context of the passage, life has to do more with quality than quantity. I just have to say that for you so that you'll know that, okay? And here it is, verses 11 and 12. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. You know what you hear people say? I can't wait for that. You already have it if you're in Christ. You know when eternal life started? That quality of life? It started the moment you said yes to Christ. At that moment, you possessed eternal life. So John writes to these believers, he says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life Look at this, this is really good. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. So if you have the Son today, you're good. And you know, don't you? You could probably come up here and testify to the quality of life that you have since you came to Christ. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Well, there are three observations that I have for you to close our time together this morning that are really, really important. The first is eternal life and Jesus Christ are inseparable. You just can't separate. <laughs> right? You, let me say this real clear. You can't separate. Right? Eternal life and Jesus Christ are inseparable. In fact, the verse that many people in our world know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Well, you just can't separate the two. No matter what man might do, you can't do that. Well, John Stott, who was a worldwide preacher, teacher, evangelist, theologian, said three things about eternal life that I think are absolutely critical. First, he says this. Eternal life is not a prize we earn. (laughs) We don't earn eternal life. We don't earn it. You know, I think one of the most frustrating things for some people in the Christian life is they're trying to maintain their position. Can I tell you, you don't do that. No, once you came to Christ, the Bible tells us we're baptized into Him. We're placed into Him. And that's a permanent position. Eternal life is not a prize we earn. So if you're one of those who says, well, it's just something that I've got to do. No, no. Eternal life is found only in Jesus Christ. You know, when I, was, when I was typing this up, eternal life is not a prize we earn. I thought of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. When I typed out eternal life is found only in Jesus Christ, I thought about what Jesus said himself in John 14 and what Peter said in Acts 4. There's salvation in no one else. So, like, if you're one of those people today going, man, I'm going to find my way to heaven. Well, there's only one way you're going to find it, and that's through Jesus Christ. Okay? And then the third thing that Stott says, the gift of eternal life in Christ is a present possession. (laughs) You have it now, right? Isn't that good? One theologian wrote it this way, we aren't waiting as believers to receive eternal life at salvation. We have it. That's why he's writing about this quality of life. It's more than just quantity. It's quality of life. Listen to me. The quality of life went up a whole, whole, whole long way when you came to Christ. You went from just living for yourself and for the things of this world to living for the Lord. right? That's why Paul writes things, crazy things that we look at like you know, Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. That's good stuff. Because where is the battle for the believer even today? The world and the things that the world has to offer, by the way which will all burn up, just so we were reminded about that. Second thing, those who believe have eternal life through the Son of God, which leads us back to our initial verse. Notice what he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is very important that you hear this, so that you may know that you have eternal life. That word no there, circle, circle, circle that word, it's the word oida in the Greek. And he's saying, I want you to be aware of the fact that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, and I want you to remember that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. How many times in your Christian life would you be willing to admit that you've had to, had a moment where you were weak or something was going on and you were looking back going, I remember that time. I remember that. I remember the day that I trusted Christ. So many, so many people struggle with that issue. Well, John wanted them to know it. Third observation, those who do not believe do not have eternal life through the Son of God. I heard a statistic not long ago that the fastest growing religion is no religion at all. 22 to 23% of people today have no religion, meaning they have no relationship. Our homes, this is not new news to you, our homes today, even in the church, are in trouble they're in trouble I would ask you as a parent how are you parenting your children is your primary concern that they make the all star team or that they know Christ I know that one's kind of a hard question but it's one we have to think about I had kids thank the Lord they're grown and out of the house they can make their own peanut butter and jelly sandwich I want to leave you with a couple of verses and then a quick story This first one, this is rough. These are for those who reject Jesus Christ in their life. So if you're one of those this morning, you're like, hey, I just reject all that. It's just a bunch of fairy tales I don't believe. Okay, but here's the thing. You're going to spend eternity away from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So if we just believe the Bible to be true, which I do. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1.9. Look at this description. These will pay the penalty. Because the payment's due. They will pay a penalty of eternal destruction. And you're sitting there going, Oh, good. Hey, if I reject Christ, then I'll just be annihilated. That's not what that means. In fact, the rest of the verse affirms the fact you won't be annihilated. That word destruction there means ruin. You'll be ruined forever. (laughs) You ever looked at something and said, Oh, that's ruined. Right? You ever open your refrigerator, open a little you know, open up something that's been in there for a century or two, and you open that up and you're like, it's ruined. Well, you can throw it away and start all over. This is a forever ruin. You understand what I'm saying? This is big, big. That's what I'm saying. It's one of the most important messages I've ever preached on. This is a forever ruin. This is not one of those pass and go, and I, you know, no. It says, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. And here's the ruin. You're forever, now listen to me, this is very important. As an unbeliever, the one who loves you the most, you're forever away from Him, Jesus Christ. In fact, that word presence there is face. You're away from His face. How many of you can't wait to see Him face to face in all His glory? Hey, come on. Recently, man, have y'all noticed sometimes with this rain, all the rain we've been having in the skies, how sometimes in the morning, you know, I've been getting up at crazy times too, but in the morning, man, it's so beautiful. It's like, the other day I thought, oh, Lord, it's Easter, you're you're about to come. And he could come any day. The Bible says for the unbeliever, they'll be away from the presence of the Lord. That's a forever thing. And here's one that I hadn't thought about a whole lot before, but I did a lot of thinking about this one. And from the glory of his power. One theologian wrote this about that phrase. This means absent from all that is good and glorious forever. <laughs> now listen to this, how gracious God is. Every person on the planet right now is enjoying the power and the goodness of God. Just through the rain and through the plants and All the animals and all his creation. The mountains and how beautiful they are. They're enjoying that because of his grace. And one day they'll forever be away from anything that's good. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, "Whoa, this is a big deal. Well, here's some good news. For those of us who are in Christ, this comes from John 10. I give them eternal life. (laughs) They didn't earn it. I give it to them. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Hey guys, no one is going to snatch you away from the Lord. Notice it says this. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. In other words, if you belong to Christ, that's it. You're His forever. Who doesn't like that, right? Well, maybe you're one of the ones today and you struggle a little bit with this whole salvation piece. I wanted to share with you this story I read. It's the story of an old man named Bill. And he was in a marketplace and he started a conversation with a woman whose name was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth told Bill, Hey, you can get to heaven by doing good works. And for the next few minutes, he attempted to explain that, No, it wasn't by good works. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved through faith. Well, it actually brought a smile to the woman's face, but then there was another woman standing next to her, and she wanted to chime in. She says, hey, Bill, you can hope you will go to heaven. But you can't be sure. So Bill thought for a moment and he said, I'm going to turn to a passage of scripture and read it to you. You know where he turned? 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. He read it and he explained it to her that the word... Was no and not hope so. <laughs> I love that. Unconvinced, she said to Bill, My pastor says we have to have faith, but you really never know if you've been good enough, my pastor said. The conversation ended and he walked away, the story goes, with pain in his heart for the women. And this is the way it was phrased. Who had bought into the lie of the enemy. And I close with this question. How many have? How many have bought into the lie of the enemy? That there's got to be something else I must do. Paul says that The best. For by grace you've been saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. You know what? It is all about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I just, I'm so, uh, I guess, just in my spirit right now, concerned for those who may be in this building that that have rejected your love rejected the payment that you were willing to pay in order that they might have this quality of life that gives them purpose and meaning beyond just what's in front of them. So Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray your Spirit would work in their hearts and their minds and convince them of your love for them you loved them so much you were willing to go to the cross and pay the penalty. Lord, thank you so much for it being about you. It's not about any of us. It's about you. And that's the way we close our time together. In the name of Christ, amen.
3: If y'all will stand and worship with us.
0: Our youth, thank you guys for leading this morning. I want to say a couple things. One, if you're here today and you're not sure about your salvation, I'd love to talk with you. Okay, there's no reason that you need to spend eternity away from the face of the one who made you. So, I'd love to to introduce you to Christ uh, today. Uh, Also, just want to make a special note I know already been said, but we congratulate our graduates. Thank you, parents and grandparents, for your investment in your children. And Sunday school teachers here. If We brought those kids back up. A lot of those kids have been through all these Sunday school classes. And I remember going to the hospital initially and holding some of those kids. Colby, you're bigger now than you are. <laughs> I bet it takes more than one peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you, baby. All right, Chris, don't forget our meeting. We'll be in the conference room. <laughs> and, um... I hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you as you leave this place. You're dismissed.